What's going on, everybody? Welcome to week 12 of the Campus to Caching podcast, where Ethan and I break down the DraftKings main slate on Saturday, talk our, our favorite options, maybe speak a little bit to what we've written about this week in terms of content, content and then uh, really just overall break down the games, the players that are happening. Uh, Ethan, week 12, how we feeling? Feeling good. In my... Uh... In my post Penn State Blues, Penn State lost Blues over here. But, uh, you know, for the most part, feeling pretty good. Always feels good when your team uh, fires their offensive coordinator and gives you that that new sense of, of hope and, and wonder. So what about you, man? How's uh, How was week 11 for you? Uh, well, first off, I warned you, Ethan, that this was happening. I told you, <laughs> I said, hey, like, don't feel upset, but this is coming. Um what a what a game! What a game! Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, week eleven was good. It was interesting. One of the first weeks where props were not as profitable. Props were not profitable. DFS ended up being very profitable, and uh, it just based off of like two lineups, you know. And that's just yeah. kind of the name of the game. Um, what a wild! I didn't play the night slate because I had family, and we had a baby showers. So we had family and friends in town, so we went out to dinner. Uh, I jokingly told people we would find the one restaurant in Atlanta that did not have a TV. <laughs> and I was correct in my oh, thinking. Bummer. It was a great restaurant. I loved it, but uh, no TVs. Um, yeah. So anyways, what a wild night slate that was. The late night slate was uh, fun as well. Also crazy with Boise State announcing like everybody was hurt like five minutes before, yeah, which was right. a mad dash. But uh, I feel confident that the injury situations are much clearer on this main slate. Um, I guess, I mean, kicking it into the quarterback position, we get some absolute superstar names here with Caleb Williams, Bo Nix. Yep. Dylan Gabriel, who's coming off an eight-touchdown game against West Virginia. Ridiculous. And of course, the superstar quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. <laughs> is, there someone that, is there someone that jumps out to you as your top – is it one of those guys as your top quarterback in terms of just general production, not looking at cost? Or Yeah, I think uh, – I mean – my initial lean was Nick's, but I really think, you know, I think Caleb's going to come out and have another really great performance. He's been a little bit uh, not magic Caleb Williams uh, this year, and it's it's been interesting. I think part of it is, you know, a little bit of coming back down to earth with expectations about USC and their postseason outlook, losing so many games, mainly because of their defense, but um I mean, he hasn't looked like a like like you know the the number one de facto number one quarterback that we kind of anticipated coming into the season. Um, so he's he's had a few struggles, and this UCLA defense is pretty good. Um, but I feel like these are the games where Caleb really does shine. Um, it, it should be a good opportunity for him. Um, and you you have that more secure floor with him than with Bo. Although I think Bo is going to get a ton of touchdown equity with the. Uh, Heisman campaign in a game that they should have pretty well on hand here. So uh, what about you? Are, are you feeling those Pac-12 quarterbacks or, I mean, JJ McCarthy is a uh, de facto superstar with his, his, was it seven passing attempts or nine? I think it was eight. Uh, it might've been eight. Difference, yeah. Seven completions. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I, it's really between those first three, right. For me. And yeah. I think each have pros and cons. I think I would probably say Gabriel is my favorite of the bunch. I think there's a little less uncertainty or, uh, you know, I think a couple of things playing his favor. Okay. You know, he, they have blown out teams in the past and he's produced, I mean, 44 points against Iowa state was the last time they won huge and it was 50 to 20. So yeah. like I, you know, I feel confident in 25 or 30 points out of him. Uh, he's been pretty straightforward besides that one Oklahoma State game, which was just kind of, you know, anything happens in Bedlam, right? For sure. Um, the problem with Knicks and Caleb, or the, the reasons why I think we should have caution is to call him the absolute top guy, is like you mentioned, right? Caleb Williams is facing a good UCLA defense. Yeah, That defense is very good. Uh, I think that offense is going to try to be a little bit more run-focused uh, UCLA's, and that might slow the game down some. Um, but ultimately, you know, Caleb has not been the Caleb of years past, but he's still an elite option, right? 
He's yeah. just so expensive. And then obviously Bo Nix, you know, it's just like Jaden Daniels in the night slate. Like I think that matchup similarly is going to be a great matchup, high scoring. They should win handily in theory. I think both Bo Nix and like Jaden Daniels in that instance, they both have like this Heisman campaign going and their coaches are, I got to think their coaches are very aware of, of that. And so I think Nix is a great option, uh, but that blowout is a little bit, you never know with blowouts with, with uh, yeah. just generally speaking, I have a conspiracy that Bucky Irving will sit this one. And if he does, Ooh, yeah. that's, that's, you know, stock up obviously for, sure. for Knicks. Um, so yeah. Is there another guy outside this kind of top three range that you suspect could be knocking on the door come Saturday night? Um, you know, there's a little bit of me. I will talk a little bit about this. I think in, uh, in our flexor fade about that James Madison passing attack, but um, there's always a chance, you know, JJ McLeod or not JJ McLeod, but um, gosh, why am I blanking on his name? Could you combine JJ McCarthy and Jordan McLeod and create? I did. I did. Jordan McLeod. There we go. They're just both of the same caliber. So I I couldn't resist. Um, I think McLeod has a a decent opportunity uh, to have a good game. I'm a little more bullish on the app state defense than some people are. I know they've taken a step back this year, but I do think that they have a team that, you know, we I, in college football, we talk about like team cultures and team identities and app state just has that team identity where they are gritty and they're, they're a team that can, can rise up defensively when, when the time does come. Um, so I, I feel like there's a chance though. I think that in the range of outcomes for Jordan McLeod, he does have a ceiling game of, you know, 35, 40 points, even if that does become a shootout. Um, I I'm again, not super high on Donovan Smith this week, but it's, I mean, you can't exclude the fact that he does have the potential to um, have a a breakout game like that. But I really do think that, you know, I think we're going to have a chalkier quarterback week than normal um, or than most weeks. And I think that those, uh, I think it's a pay up at quarterback week. The three that we've already talked about are definitely the ones that are going to garner the most ownership. Yeah, I think I think McLeod will surprise you. I think I in terms of like ownership, I think he's probably I think he's within the top three of uh, ownership because there is that kind of use twenty five hundred dollars savings on those top two guys. Right. Um, But I do agree with you. There is a little bit of hesitancy going up against App State with their general speaking background of how they play. Um, it is at JMU, which is nice, you know, at app state, that is a imposing figure in itself. They are just chucking it more recently and he's done quite well with it. You know, yeah. 457 yards, 370 yards, 340 yards in the last three games. Competition has been kind of in between and he has, he has rushing upside. So, you know, it, it is a, it is shocking how, consistent he's been on the season i mean since week four when he had that huge game against utah state he's basically been 24 points or better yeah um and he's played some random teams south alabama georgia southern georgia state so i think he'll be a high owned guy i will probably have a bunch of them um uh, you know one thing that's helpful with him compared to these other guys is who do you stack him with and he has three uh, receivers, really I think, that are viable. Too. One of them being super cheap. You look at like Bo Nix, he's got like two of the five highest price receivers. You look at yeah. Caleb Williams, he just he has a bunch of mid to high price guys and he doesn't yeah. focus on one. So there's also that natural ability to, to stack that I think. For sure. Um, and that's, that's a fair point. And that definitely does dictate a lot of ownership um, across the board. I've, I've got one other guy here that definitely doesn't seem like a smart play but one that i could see with the team total being where it is but uh sam hartman uh playing wake this knew week it. want none of it oh i said knew it i uh oh, I knew it okay cool open his name and i was like i bet it's gonna be sam yeah continue just i mean from a volume perspective it's it, it's hard to really want to uh push that that name high up in your ownership projections or anything like that but you know, playing this Wake Forest team, Wake has definitely underperformed this year um, and, and hasn't been great, but it does seem like a, a team that could sneak up on you. 
Um, I don't know who Notre Dame plays next week, but um, late in the season, Notre Dame kind of coming to a close, getting a little complacent. Looks like they have Stanford next week. Um, I, you know, who's to say that they don't have a little lackluster performance on defense and this becomes a little bit more of a shootout. Uh, Notre Dame expected around 35, 36 points this week. Um, if any of those touchdowns come on the ground for Hartman and he's able to throw for another one or two, it, it starts to get pretty interesting with, with his price point as well. Um, do you have thoughts or opinions? Is, is estimate too much of a uh, volume and touchdown hog to really get behind he, that? He's one of those guys that you need to be super efficient, and he has shown to be that early on. Something happened yeah. midway through. Maybe it was just competition mixed with receivers that are pretty raw and young. Yeah. Um, losing some tight ends doesn't, you know, tight end production hurts him in that offense specifically. I don't, I don't necessarily like him, but you know, it is wake. Uh, they have one running back option, Audric estimate that I'll speak to when running backs come that I really like, it's got to come from somewhere, you know, okay. and I don't, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibilities I, in speaking to a, a more efficiency level guy a lower touch but higher efficiency guy joey aguilar um Definitely. i think we all saw this major breakout season coming preseason <laughs> um i mean the guy has been awesome recently he is a yeah. positive on the rushing game nothing crazy five to ten touches on the ground and then like even in the passing game it's like 21 26 33, 31. Yeah. So not a crazy amount early on. We saw some maybe bigger numbers, but more recently this run game has gotten really strong with Kanye Roberts and Nate Noel. Yeah. So he's, he's had to be efficient, but I think in a similar price range, I, I might lean a little bit towards that and just hope for kind of a shootout with JMU. Yeah. Um. So I, that's a, that's a guy I'm looking at a little bit more, but you, you know, don't feel bad about the Hartman pick because I am going to have so much Donovan Smith this weekend. It is going to be gross. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I am totally prepared for my heart to hurt and to yeah. just be done. That's you know? fair, I, man. It's, it's a, it's a, a roller coaster with him for sure. So I, I don't blame you or fault anyone just, for playing him. His upside's just way too much, man. It's, it's crazy. crazy, but he's just not a good quarterback, but you don't have to be a good quarterback in this league. Oh, yeah, especially uh, when Holgerson's uh, your head coach. Yep. So, I, you know, I'm looking at this. I was looking at this quarterback group as I was putting together my article for this week. It really kind of gets thin at the bottom here. It really um, does. There's just not a ton of options. There's one guy that I think will start, which is a great lead up into a guy I want to use a lot of um, that makes sense, and that's Ethan Garbers, 6,400. Did you just throw up in your mouth a little bit there when I said that, or are you pro Garbers with me? I mean, really, the only name you could have said I would have thrown up more would have been Colin Schley. So uh, it fits right in there in, in same situation. So, well, Schley <laughs> has not been practicing this week, so we oh, get a safety. We, you know, Garbers is a little bit we're safer into this. I don't. Yeah. I, he's suspected to start. It's a prime matchup against USC. Yeah. I do think they end up running a little bit more just in general. I think they run a good bit, but Garbers yeah. is produced with limited usage in the past. Uh, it's hard to think, ignore the matchup and the price. Do you think there's any vindictive side of Chip Kelly that he's just going to go absolutely like hog wild in this game because he knows he's on the way out? Like, well, if you look at the last few coaches that have been fired, they won in a huge fashion. It would only make sense for Chip Kelly to score 50 points and get fired, right? Absolutely. And was it uh, somebody in the in the Slack earlier, the C2C Slack, was talking about how it might have been you. It was either you or Nate talking about how uh, if if Chip does pull off the win, that both he and um, Lincoln will have the same number of losses over the the last two years. It was and Nate. only one of them Nate. had Caleb Williams. <laughs> That's I, that is shocking to think about. Yeah, but it is completely true. Um, but but yeah, yeah, it is a wild, wild uh, statistic. Um, Garber's at sixty four hundred, not sexy, but ultimately the price plus the matchup. Yeah, the Vegas total I think is I can pull it up real quick unless you have it. Um, 
It is around 30, which you got to love. Yeah. He's not a zero in the running game. He's a little bit of a light positive there. So I don't know. Who else would you go with? Would you go with Retzlaff at BYU? Me personally? No, I would not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I do think there is a chance that Fafita has a little bit of juice at 6,800. Um, I didn't think Penix was going to perform as well as he did last week against Utah. Um, Utah seems like they may just be gassed at this point in the year with having to put everything together in the way that they have uh, to keep themselves in it. And now knowing that they're out of um, out of contention, really, for that, that Pac-12 championship, is there a little bit of a letdown for them? Um, so I think that's interesting. If you're looking at... Um, you know, decent game totals, you know, Alan Bowman, I think you mentioned him a little bit towards the end of the podcast episode last week. Um, You know, if you think that that game is going to be a 60 point total, and especially if you think that Ollie Gordon's going to struggle at all, like he did last week, you have to think that uh, Bowman comes into consideration with his, his price point as well. Yeah. I mean, Houston is a great matchup for, uh, for Bowman. Uh, Fafita makes some sense, you know, he just, you know, I, we should have seen this coming, right? He just is not enough of a runner to help with the the other statistics. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he had a pretty solid game, 214 and two touchdowns, 16 points, though, because he just couldn't – if you're not going to th- run, you have to do something really, really good in the passing yeah. game. The only thing that saved him was that he was 6,000. Um, if you faded yeah. him, you were happy because he was – insanely owned i was underweight just coincidentally yeah um you know looking at another option or two cheap if you think that kern can keep it close at wake forest he's 5700 yeah um, i wouldn't do it yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh there's just not a lot of options that are cheap i mean you're really just grasping at straws i think the the cheapest that you can feel pretty decent about really is Bowman, Garbers, and then it's like you fall off a cliff. Uh, it's real bad. And even even those guys. I mean, if you're feeling confident about those guys, that's it's a little bit of a stretch of confidence. It's like yeah. when you, you know, it's a little bit of whiskey confidence, maybe. You know, yeah, you have for a sure. shot or I think, two and you're feeling good. I think my cutoff will probably be Aguilar. Um, I think, you know, even though that means you're really going to have to find value elsewhere on the board, I think that this is just going to be a week that dictates that. Um, the end of the year, we do get the weird quarterback carousels that we didn't think that we would necessarily see. So stuff like that is always possible, and you might see like a, a good performance. But man, nothing feels super solid underneath underneath that seventy five hundred. Yeah, I'll make one. I'll make one more addition to this, and that would be similar. I think a sprinkle makes sense. Would be like Bryson Barnes. He really has yeah. played pretty well. Um, but to your point earlier with Utah, what do they have to play for? Their coach has also come out and said, I've spoken with 12 guys about redshirting and not essentially not playing the rest of the year so they can redshirt and be available yeah. for within the extra year going into 2024. Yeah. I've looked through a bunch of the offensive players. None of them are eligible for that type of thing, like Bunny Parks, Mikey Matthews, yeah. Vele, you know, Glover. These guys are not going to be a part of it. So I think offensively they're fine. I wonder if defensively that's where it comes into play. So maybe we you see, know, uh, this is kind of under the radar, but does Micah Pittman have another year left? I was just thinking about him and I don't know. Um, he's played in two games so far this year. So I feel like he could be a guy that they, they look to redshirt um, often injured and, and all of that. So I'd be I, surprised if he doesn't have another year that he can find somehow, but I think he has another year. He, this is his fifth season, but one of them was 2020. You know, Plus if he sits medical this year, then yeah, if he sits this year, he could be one of those types. So that's I think right. that's certainly possible. Um, we moving to running back. We brought up Ali yeah. Gordon loosely. What do you think happened last week? What do you think was the the culprit of a six point whatever it was Man. six points in fantasy? I think Oklahoma State figured they've been running the ball really well, and UCF hasn't stopped the run, so we don't have to do anything except run the ball. And I think UCF said. They run the ball really well. We can't stop the run, so let's dedicate everything we can to stop the run. And, you know, I think it was a perfect storm. And they, they got up quick. The offense had 
some quick points off of turnovers and it was very quickly Oklahoma State was down by three three scores so I uh I I, I really do think that um UCF came to play and just destroyed any hopes for Oklahoma State last week but what about you was there was there more that you saw my initial my gut take was really that it was just a mix of you know UCF coming to play a little bit of rain helped um fact that they got down early I want to say Ollie got dinged up at one point um and then I think ultimately the game was out of hand and it was like well you know, it's like, well, we're losing 35 to three or whatever, right? Like, why are yeah. we need to pass it? Why are we playing around with it? Um, I, don't, I don't know how much to an extent that injury, I don't want to say injury, that dinged up was. I think it was more he got hit or something. And I remember someone saying to me that, oh, shoot, like he's coming off the field for, and then he came back, obviously. But at that point, you know, you're getting beat up pretty bad. Um, why yeah. risk it? And he did have a fumble loss too, right? Like there, that could have played into potential usage as well. So yeah, that's totally any fair. any fear with him against Houston? No, I, yeah, I, I feel, so feel pretty confident that. I, honestly, I don't think that matchup plays a whole lot of a difference in Gundy's, you know, dedication to the run and his his wanting to get Gordon going. Um, if anything, you know, I feel like we should be looking for opportunities for him to really get the passing work. I think that's what really differentiates him and, and sets him up for big days. But um, another guy who uh, seems to be matchup proof as well, uh, Blake Quorum, who who had a great week last week against a uh, very tough opponent. Um, <laughs> I want to, I just want to take time to, you know, I, I want to give Blake Quorum the praises that I don't think I've given him this year. Because watching the way that he ran against Penn State and the way that Michigan really leans on the misdirection when it comes in their running game and and really thrives off that, the marriage of this running game scheme of misdirection and the way that Quorum is able to weave through traffic. And I mean, there's a certain, we always like to talk about Le'Veon Bell when we talk about patience with running backs, but there's a certain Le'Veon Bell like quality of the way that he's able to dodge and weave in traffic um, that I really didn't, didn't know was in his skill set until last week and, and getting a chance to uh, unfortunately watch it play after play after play. Um but he really looked strong last week. And I mean, got Maryland this week. I think that that's a uh, better matchup than a lot of people think. They see the the 48 there on the uh, fantasy points against for Maryland against running backs. I think that he has a, a shot at another big game this week. But uh, what, what do you think with, with Blake? I think the, the good part about him is like, he's going to score a touchdown in every single game, yeah. right? Like, and between yardage through the air and on the ground, you're looking at 60 to 70 yards. Mm-hmm. So like he's going to provide a floor of 13 to 15 points. Yeah. Um, you need the, the multiple touchdowns. Cause I don't see, you know, me personally, I don't see 26 attempts happening again. I see Michigan going back to the same old 20 to 25 passing attempts. If it's a blowout, yeah. Like 25 passing okay. attempts, your typical, you know, 18, 15, 18 carries maybe for Corum and 10, 12 carries for Edwards type thing. Yeah. But I think Maryland has played Michigan decently tough. And I know they've played Ohio State decently, decently tough in the past. Yeah. That's the kind of thing you need for Corum to be relevant yeah. in terms of like winning lineups. I don't think I'm going that route, uh, but I, I'm not against it. I think I'd rather just save a little bit more and go with Estime, who I alluded to earlier. Yeah. You know, if 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 you're thinking Notre Dame scores the 35 or whatever points they're supposed yeah. to, one of Hartman and or Estime are going to get there. Yep. Um, and I lean obviously towards Estime. 13. Let's see here. Uh, 13 touchdowns on the season, over a thousand yards of total offense. Like you know, I just don't see how he doesn't hit 20 points, which he's done basically every game but twice this season. Yeah, that's totally fair. I do think that he's going to have significantly more ownership than Quorum this week, but um, for good reason. I think that Estimate is just the safer, higher floor, um, higher floor option there. But um, what about uh, if- what about Omar and Hampton? 
7,300 this week. He's He's got a tough matchup at Clemson, but he's been, you know, the guy in that backfield this year. And that's that surprised me. But do we think he gets the volume that we can anticipate a, another, you know, 30 plus point game from? I think we should we could see a sneaky scoring game here, high scoring yeah. affair. Um, and I think, you know, when that happens, his his usage goes insane, right? Yeah. Like uh, the old every other week theory, but I think that <laughs> coincides with the amount of points and the high scoring nature of the game, right? Duke 47-45, yeah. Georgia Tech was 42-46, Miami was 41-31, right? And I think that yeah. Clemson with Shipley and Mafa rolling pretty well, I think Clemson's receivers are adequate to good. Like Tyler Brown has been super impressive to me. All those numbers aren't yeah. insane. Um, I think that Clemson can put up some points on UNC, which isn't shocking considering yeah. what everybody else has done to UNC. Sure. Um, <laughs> so in that case, yeah, I think Hampton's an incredible play. Uh, cheaper than the other guys like Bucky and Corum and Estime and et cetera. And he provides some receiving game upside. So, I mean, his game log is just absolutely incredible the last five weeks. I don't know how you don't consider him strongly in this matchup. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, and I also think more. Clemson's more of a name than it is an actual great defense, right? Yeah, I think so too. I, I do think that they have, you know, a, a defensive front that's decent um, and that's still a, an above average to good team. But I don't think that, you know, we're not, we're not talking about a, uh, you know, a, a powerhouse or anything defensively. Um, they're just, they're solid and they're, seems like they're well coached. So, yeah, it's always tough with them because they do play some really low quality teams yeah. offensively, like a Georgia Tech or, you know, this season, NC State struggling, this season, Wake struggling, but then they play like a Miami who's got some, a good amount of running backs, five and a half yards yeah. of carry. Notre Dame with Estime was almost six yards a carry, you know, so you're, I think you can find a route to justify uh, Hampton's matchup being at the very least average. Yeah, um, for sure. So I've mentioned Bucky Irv uh, Irving earlier. I think let's, let's assume he's in, is he one of your top two or three options or where does he Man. rank for you? You know, I don't think he's in my top two or three. I think he's probably in that next level for me. Um, I do think that he's, if he's, if he's giving it a go and it, considering him fully healthy, you know, I, I think he is destined for, you know, two touchdowns. Um, I wonder what the volume will be. Um, if it were a perfect world and we did know that he had that perfect health, um, you know, he'd, he'd be a lot more appealing to me knowing that it's going to likely fall somewhere in the middle. If he does play, um, I think it makes Jordan James a, nice option as well uh to get some savings in that matchup um i i really do think that it's a it's bo's game though i think that they're going to um let bo cook and and really lean on him for uh a little bit of that that heisman uh buzz because i think that i mean we know that we know what oregon season likely ends up we know that they're probably going to end up in a uh pac-12 championship game um, although did I hear no uh, wrong conference? I was going to say if the, uh, the tiebreaker was changing, but that was the, uh, that's the big, big 12, 12, but yes. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, I, I feel like, I feel like, you know, they're pretty well in, in the bag as far as what their season holds Oregon state at the end of the year, maybe a, uh, um, you know, a, an, an interesting matchup for them, but. I think uh, in general, this Oregon team really wants to showcase what they've got in Bo, and I, I don't doubt that he's going to uh, live up to expectations. Yeah, and I largely would agree. My concern here is what I already said. You know, like I, I think yeah. that his injuries, or just maybe just being dinged up the last couple of weeks, really hurts. Um, and the problem here is that they play Arizona State with a near twenty-four point spread. Yeah. Do they really need them? And the other problem is that then they play Oregon State right after it. And that yeah. winner essentially, as far as I'm aware, goes to the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah. And so with that being in the on the horizon, how are you as an Oregon coach going to put Irving, a guy that you know was helped off the field last week, yeah. in a situation? You know, 
I don't know. It's certainly yeah. possible. It is a 4 p.m. game, which makes things uh, cer- certainly more difficult. Yeah. Um, to in terms of your roster build, because it, there's limited options of who you could swap to, if uh, if that were to happen. Yeah, especially with the lack of depth that Oregon has with Whittington having gone down early in the season. You know, you really don't want to have to rely on Jordan James plus, you know maybe Dante Dowell uh, as, as the guy who's spelling him, maybe a little bit of Jaden Lamar um, as the, the options going up against a uh, Oregon state team. Is that game in Corvallis uh, or Eugene? I'm, I'm not sure where that one's at, but regardless, it's a heck of a matchup to end the year on. And you don't want to be facing them without your, your running game fully intact. So yeah, at Oregon, uh, I believe is that a Friday night game? Yeah, that's uh, that's Black oh. Friday. That's uh, nice post post Thanksgiving goodness you know that what, we get next. You week. know what to say, Ethan. You know what to say. God is good. God is no, good. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> looking at the other options on the slate, man. I, this is running back is weird for me. I had a hard time finding. I think like we already talked. Jordan James makes sense mid range. Yep. Um, to the what level depends on the health of Irving, obviously. But yeah, besides that, I have a hard time finding a really intriguing mat uh, option. Like I even reached to the depths of Phil Maffa as a good and okay. Will Shipley as good mid range options because I thought their usage was um, was a positive out of the Georgia Tech game specifically. Maffa and the UN, like I said, UNC's defense, you know, this could be a high scoring game. Maffa is shown to, to be able to carry the load. And so is Shipley. So I think those two are not in play, but I don't love them. Is there someone I'm missing in this like five, six K range, six and a half? Um, I think, I don't know. I'm, I'm open to playing uh, some TJ Harden uh, at 4,900. Um, I think you, are accurate in the fact that I think UCLA is going to rely on the run game pretty heavily. So between him and Steele, um, I, I don't mind playing some Harden. Um, I also think um, Michael Wiley is an interesting name to consider. I know last week we were kind of watching his his health um, and if he was going to return. Uh, they held him out, but he was dressed last week um, playing Colorado. Uh I think there's a chance that we see him in this matchup against Utah. Again, not a great matchup, but especially if, if you know, they are redshirting and, and things get a little funky over there. Um, I think that he's a name that I don't mind because I think that he's going to get some receiving work as well. Um, so those two guys are, are interesting to me. Um, I am a little bit curious what that App State running game is going to look like. I know Kanye Roberts has gotten some run with um, when Noel was out and then his, his usage seemed to kind of have a little bit of an uptick since Noel is back in the lineup. Um, so I don't think that Roberts is a, a sturdy enough play at his price price point. I think he's 46, 40, he's 4,300. So uh, not super expensive, but I, I think there are better plays and I think you've got to go elsewhere uh, when looking yeah, I wish there was some more clarity there or if someone were to lightly sprain a toe or something so we could get a guy that would be more solidified. Because yeah. I think both Noel and Roberts have proven to be assets when they're not, you know, vulturing each other. Yeah. Um, you know, Gavin Sawchuk is a name that I that pops up for me. He is a name. That, oh, that he is a name. Um, that's a good start. <laughs> And coming off a 22 carry game, the concern yeah. here then is obviously, I mean, they got a million guys in that room and you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. The benefit is it's a noon game and you typically can know, hey, Barnes is out. Hey, yeah. Tawi Walker's out. So you do have a little bit of a benefit of like if if that room gets thinner, which I'm positive it will because someone's always hurt in that room. Right. That seems appealing to me. Yeah. What about Tyson or Tyson Lawton? JMU running back. Kalen Black has been kind of banged up. Didn't see a full amount of uh, yeah. usage last week, but it could come out of nowhere. What do we think? 
Yeah, I, I mean, Lawton has shown that he can step up. I remember early in the year, uh, his name popping up in that Virginia game. He had a, a pretty good game. Um, jumping into his uh, game log here, it looks like uh, Georgia State um, two weeks ago, he had a, a nice performance when he was given some volume. So, I mean, he's, he's stepped up to the plate whenever he gets the opportunity, but um, I do wonder, you know, Kalen Black's role, if he's, if he's going to get the kind of volume that he would need um Lawton here 4600 I'd probably be more inclined to play a guy like Demond Claiborne if we get news that he's healthy and ready to go um just the fact that I think you know Wake's gonna have to rely on the more explosive guys in their offense if they're gonna uh keep pace and and really make a game out of it with Notre Dame but um I, I don't hate Lawton at all I think if you're looking at a guy in this price range and you see that he's you know orbited the 20 point mark two or three times this season that they're a name that should be under consideration for sure yeah it's um it is bleak it's bleak in these streets yeah i don't know who else i could think of jaquindon jackson but he's still 5500 so we're not really finding any relief there (laughs) yeah you know the i will say there is a possibility i think that wake running back room getting thin claiborne got hurt last week did, I think he led the team in carries. Um, Ellison, out of nowhere, only had, I think, two or three carries. Yep. And so I think I, I think you know where I'm leading with this, and that is Tate Carney. I mean, he's, if he's the only guy in the room at 3,300, I'm not against it. I don't love it, but considering there's nothing else out there, I, I don't mind maybe a sprinkle if we get some, po- you know, some, I won't say positive, if we get some, clear news on where some of these guys stand. You know, Wake Forest is one of those teams. I think they could play young and that's not Ellison. Yeah. Um, so that is a potential angle as well. Kate Carney went to the, uh, the Rex Burkhead school of, of uh, running backs, didn't he? With the, uh, the neck roll and the, uh, uh, you know, power football mentality. Is that, is that fair to say? I think so. Uh, Former fullback maybe. It's, I, you know, we're going to say Mike Allstott too now here. Yeah. Ethan. Yeah. Let's, let's talk to him in there. <laughs> he's gritty. He's, he's a real hard worker. <laughs> yeah. Um, 3,200. Jim, Jim Rat over here. Jim Rat knows the playbook. High IQ. <laughs> uh, I found myself when I was putting my projections in to uh, the solver and pumping out lineups, just trying to see where my percentages would lie. I was shocked by the amount or lack thereof of high price guys being used in my lineups. Yeah. I don't know if you started to build anything. I don't know if you've kind of looked into it like that yet. It is only Wednesday as we record, but these high price guys, are they appealing to you enough where you're going to spend up over some of these mid range guys? Are we talking, we still talking running back here or talking? Oh, I apologize. I kicked it straight into receiver after take. I thought so. I wanted to make sure before uh, waxing poetically here on, on Troy Franklin. (laughs) Um, No, I, I get that mentality. I get that this week there's not a ton of value. And when there's not a ton of value, it doesn't really make sense to try and jam in the overly expensive guys. Um, I do really like Troy Franklin this week. That is no surprise because I really like Bo this week. Um, so I, I'm definitely, <clears throat> I'm definitely okay with paying up there. Um, outside of him, you know, I feel like I could pay up for Jamari thrash. Um, but outside of that, I don't feel super confident in, you know, uh, Devontae's Walker, Taj Washington, uh, uh, any of the Arizona guys feel kind of s- slim this week. Uh, Drake Stoops is an interesting name at BYU. I think 6,800. Um, you can get some decent savings dropping down to Anderson or Farouk at 63 and 6,200. Um, but specifically there at, at Oklahoma, or, or do you have a, a lean on which way you're, uh, you would go if you're stacking with Gabriel? You know, I think Stoops makes a ton of sense. Um, Farouk for me is for out. Uh, I just, the way they use him is enough, but it's just not all that productive. Yeah. Nick Anderson had a couple early great games. So yeah, I think I don't have a problem paying up with Stoops. I do think his his percentage of owner uh, in terms of like usage is going to be is going to be quality. Um I think I'll find myself, you know, b- when building these lineups, I just think I'm going to ultimately 
even though I think Troy Flank, uh, Franklin and Tez Johnson are incredible options yeah. just in a vacuum. I just think I'm going to have a hard time fitting them in when I can't find a viable cheap running back. That's uh, totally or fair. have a quarterback that's 6,500 that I feel great about having 35% of. That's the hard part. Yeah. But I do think in a vacuum, like Stoops makes a ton of sense as a stack. Franklin and Johnson are incredible options for Oregon. I think uh, like Bowers makes, if Bowers was like full health, like yeah. had never hurt his ankle, I think that would make sense. One guy that I'm like kind of trying to figure out is Devontae Walker. Yeah. Please help me. Yeah. I, it's tough because this seems, seems like a game where if, North Carolina is going to contend against Clemson. They're going to need their superstars to rise up, being Greg May and uh, Devontae Walker. Um, I think that Omari and Hampton is going to be a bigger part of the game plan this week, and I think that he'll continue to get his opportunities. Um, I don't think that Devontae Walker is necessarily a full fade from me, um, but if I'm paying up for that price range, I am much more likely to go with uh, one of the Oregon guys, particularly Troy Franklin. I know Franklin didn't have the volume last week, but I mean, his efficiency totally blew that out of the water. Um, From a uh, team total perspective, you know, Oregon does have the higher team total, but they're less likely to have a back and forth type of game. Um, So I, I think that there's some, some, good game theory there in, in going with Walker in a tougher matchup, but still um, in a matchup that could offer that, that upside. Um, Nate McCollum is a guy who I think could get interesting. If you think that Clemson's going to be able to lock down uh, the number one target. Um, Nesbitt is kind of priced up this week at 5k for a uh, tight end. Um but I could see Nesbitt also being right there as, you know, an option that I'm, I'm looking at outside of Walker. I think you, I think the point about, you know, if I'm looking at Walker versus the Oregon guys makes a ton of sense to not feel so scared about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then also at the same time too, you do, you're going to find some, some good ownership rates uh, in terms of pivoting that way. Uh, so full disclosure, flex or fade, we're going to be talking receivers, and those two would be Rashad Owens and Reggie Brown. So we, I think just generally speaking, I think we both agree. Both are good options. I think yeah. Ethan likes one more than the other. Whereas, same for me, right? So I think those two players are in play. Um, can we speak towards, uh, what's his name, Elijah Surratt, without giving away some thoughts on Reggie Brown, or do we... Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. Um, and ultimately, I, like you said, these are guys who I, I I I won't say I like both of them this week, but I um, will probably have them in my player pool both um, just at, at much different price points. Um, I think Elijah Surratt really jumps off the page with his, his performance recently. Um, and I think that he is part of the reason why some may not love uh, Reggie Brown this week um, and just in general, um, because this James Madison passing attack has gotten more spread out and they've gotten more prolific in, in, you know, finding options that are explosive uh, downfield Um, and Surratt and, you know, Phoenix Froles are two guys that fit that bill and have, have played really well. Um, not to say that Reggie Brown has not played well, but uh, the emergence of some other options has definitely made that passing attack very interesting. Yeah, they, they use those three pretty strongly. Um, I think all three are viable. Sprawls is interesting because of his low price tag, and all it definitely. takes is, like, if you literally just give him a touchdown every game, he'd be a 15, 16-point guy. Yep. So at, at some point, Law of averages say that TD equity is going to even out. Um, let's talk Houston. We have Matthew Golden, yeah. the so- true sophomore stud receiver. He's having a, a solid, very solid season. He is out for the rest of the season with, a, I think it's a foot injury, or as like all the commentators in football say, with a foot. 
They don't. Just, the just, have you ever noticed that they're always yeah. like, "Yeah, he had a shoulder." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I hope he's, he's got two. Yeah, yeah. I was. I thought he had <laughs> two, but um, all right. So, with that being said, yeah, is it Joseph Manjack? Is it Samuel Brown? Is it uh, a full fade because we just don't trust Donovan Smith? Um, it, it's not a full fade. Uh, it's it's a tread with caution and a monitor your ownership situation. I think um, Samuel Brown, I have a ton of him. I know we talked a little beforehand, but I have a ton of him in season long and C to C leagues um, just because he was the cheaper Houston option coming into the year. Um, he's done a great job this year. And last week was a really shaky week. Um, and when we're talking C to C leagues and season long, we're talking playoffs this time of year. So it's a, um, it's it shakes your confidence in a player to see them put up that kind of a performance when it matters um, for a fantasy performance. But um, he had the volume last week. You know, he he got I want to say seven or eight targets. Um, he just didn't do anything with them. Um, and I think part of that was just the game plan um, that they faced um, going up against uh, a Cincinnati defense that has you know, shown some tenacity and, and seems like they are, um, are they, a, I believe they are a Jim Leonard coach defense. Um, I, I believe he ended up going there with, uh, with fickle, but, um, regardless, uh, I think this Houston, uh, receiving game between him and man Jack should pretty much pick up where golden and Brown left off, um, and still be, good enough. Um, but I definitely have lost some confidence in Samuel Brown, um, in terms of what his floor is. Yeah. I think quite simply he rides as Donovan Smith rides. Like I think he truly needs Donovan not to be the Donovan that he can be right. Um, he had 25% of targets last game. Golden golden did not play in that one the week before he had nine targets out of maybe 25 to 30, I'm just ballparking it. And Golden played, only had one target. So I think he got hurt at some point in the game. It didn't come back type of thing. Um, you know, I I will probably have too much. I think ultimately, I think you stack Donovan Smith because he does have options. That makes yeah. sense. Um, Man Jack is definitely more of the TD guy. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens now with, uh, with golden fully out. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to see there. Dalton Carnes is the other starter. He is a little white receiver. Uh, he's very, very miniature. I, I used him a good bit against, it was either Baylor. I think it was Baylor and or maybe no, it was Kansas state. Okay. It was very irrelevant. Um, yeah, I would, I just think maybe those, those other targets are not going to be spread out to the, the third, fourth, fifth type guys. So I'm curious yeah. to see what ends up happening. Ultimately, I will have Brown. I will have man Jack probably in that order. Arizona guys. I mean, is the matchup too scary? Is Utah just too good to play? play just real quick on, on Houston as well. Stefan Johnson is only uh 3,900 as well. So that's, that's an interesting game as well. I know he went off against uh, West Virginia earlier this year. Um, had a good matchup. So he's he's interesting. I, I thought I'd sneak that in there before jumping sure. over. But um, Arizona, I was fully off of Washington receivers in DFS last week. Um, and it, they proved that I, I shouldn't have been. Um, they weren't superstars, but they performed, you know, I think to a higher uh, caliber than I thought they would last last week. Um, I think that pricing is the only thing that makes me hesitant on them. Um, Tanner McLaughlin, uh, tight end at 3,900, seems a little bit more interesting, although he put up a goose egg last week um, against uh, Utah. So, or not against Utah. Um, last week they played Colorado. So, uh, he put up a goose egg against Colorado, so I was a little bit uh, disappointed that that time. But um, you know, he's had a solid season thus far, and tight end usage is volatile, so I'm I'm okay going back to the well at 3,900 for him. Um, I probably will not have a ton of the Arizona receivers just because of pricing and because 
value is a little bit harder to find on this slate. And you mentioned it at the top of the se- this segment here with wide receivers. Um, I think playing more middle price guys um, and the kind of the average salary guys is going to be a um, more popular choice this week than playing a guy who, you know, if I'm paying 67, 6,900 for a guy like uh, Tet or Cowing, why not try and save a thousand dollars elsewhere and get up to, you know, Devontae's or Franklin or Kev Johnson or so- somebody um, who has, I think, a little bit more of a ceiling uh, than a, a receiver against Utah. Um, are you kind of on that train with, with fading or, or limiting up uh, upside there? Yeah, I, I definitely think cowing is an avoid. Just you got a little banged up last week. I also think that like Utah is the type of defense that's very good, as we've previously spoken to. But also, like, I don't think he fits what would be positive against the Utah defense. Like, okay. he's a, a yak guy. At least Tech can score touchdowns, big play down the field. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think he's just – I think at this point it's pretty safe to say he's just incredibly talented. Not that yeah. Cowan's not, right? But McMillan is definitely another uh, another level here. Um, shifting, we've already spoken to some mid-range guys. I think there's some actual valid cheap – plays uh this week and i think it starts with jake brenning stool the tight end from clemson yeah um targets are there i think uh ultimately that notre dame defense was very good slowed him down but if you look at other games around that one uh five catches five catches eight and four and he has three touchdowns during that span you know, I think his realm of, of production is sitting around 12 to 20 points, just depending on the touchdown equity there. Um, is he one of your more favorite cheap options or do you find yourself looking elsewhere? Yeah. I mean, if we're, if we're getting cheap, we always like to, to bring in the tight end. So I, I definitely think that bring school is viable and a guy who I'm probably going to have a decent amount of this week um, in that same kind of price tier. And, you know, I mentioned Tanner McLaughlin as somebody who I, I think had some juice at 3,900. Um, Steven Johnson or Stefan Johnson at 3,900. Um, Theo Johnson, getting all the Johnsons together here. Uh, Theo Johnson is just a great touchdown option because Aller looks so so frequently to him in the red zone. Um, and they really don't have anybody else as a red zone threat other than Tyler Warren, who is also uh, a cheap option, but less relied upon um you know between the 20s um so all of those guys are are interesting to me um sticking with you know cheap penn state options i think there's a chance we see more caden saunders this week um he had a a nice catch last week against michigan late in the game when nothing was really going for him um i I think that he could get a, a an extended look as the season winds down um but yeah, there there are plenty of names here that I'm I'm not shying away from. Um, you mentioned as well, um, or we we touched on Phoenix Pearls uh, being super cheap. So there there are plenty of guys here that I am, you know, I'm honestly okay with rolling two guys in a lineup that are under 4K uh, to be able to get up to uh, some decent running backs and quarterbacks this week. What about you, uh, lineup construction wise? Uh, well, I really quickly, uh, one random name. I mentioned Joey Aguilar as a quarterback that I like. I think yep. Dalton Stroman yep. is super cheap, 3400 and, and somewhat viable here. Um, four targets in six straight games because I want to say he was out week nine and ten. Uh, second most targeted okay. player last week. So I think there's some, some, some legs on him as an option. In terms of actual builds... Um, my best lineups are gross is what they are. Um, they seemingly are Donovan Smith, McLeod types where you're grabbing two higher price, but not all the way there priced quarterbacks yeah. and then sprinkling in one superstar like a Ollie or a Troy Franklin and then going very middle of the pack uh, in terms of pricing players. Those seem to be my highest producing lineups um yeah. and if it's if it's not a high priced second high priced quarterback it's like bucky irving or hampton as that super flex yeah uh with with how the pricing is we do this every week yep are we forcing two quarterbacks 
do you think it's actually a, a viable play to leave it as is and see what happens with a running back in the super flex or, or do you think receiver and super flex even? Um, I'm probably not rolling a receiver in super flex. I think that there is the case this week more than any to do that, to be honest. Um, because I do think that, you know, there are cheap options there that are, are compelling. Um, that being said, I, this is, you know, another week that I'm not really going to create a hard set rule in, in, if I'm running the optimizer, I'm not locking it in as a uh, 200% week, um, for quarterback. I think that, um, there are plenty of options. I just in general, probably wouldn't feel super comfy with anything under 150%, uh, just because, you know, history shows that the optimal lineup is running two quarterbacks. It's just picking the right quarterbacks. That's, that's mm-hmm. the issue there. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm not forcing it, but uh, it, it is my general philosophy as we've come to, to learn on these conversations. Yeah. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm not going to force it. Uh, I certainly want a certain level of two quarterbacks. Like I think that 150% is a pretty safe kind of ballpark number. Yeah. Um, I think that super flex, this is going to be like the difference here is the super flex for me is either going to be that like stud running back, like the Bucky or the Hampton or something. Right. Or is going to be an additional salary saver. And that is going to be in the form of a receiver. Um, And I would say the contingency here is like, what do we know about Oklahoma state receivers going into that game? Yeah. They've played around for years with receiver health. I feel like, and if there is, you know, if there are a couple guys out like Bray, uh, you know, Rashad Owens is a great value. Leon Johnson's even cheaper. Um, I could see myself using that final super flex to uh, save and and be able to afford elsewhere. So, yeah, that makes total sense. I want to cap off this week's um, show with a personal uh, gardening slash lawn question, Ethan, are you up for this? Man, I my least favorite thing in the world is uh, yard work, but I'm 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 up for it. Well, this is in the same vein. So I have <laughs> about 700 pine trees in my front yard, okay. and I get pine straw like crazy this time of year. And I can see it when it's windy. I can just see it falling, and it's just like <laughs> teardrops. Um, my neighbor. And for years and years since I've lived here has had similar pine straw situation, except somebody, this old couple down the street, they go and rake up his yard. He has never had to do pine straw while I'm over here slaving (laughs) over this. My question to you though, is this, uh, well, one, my neighbor moved and they still go and use his pine straw, which is bullshit. It is, Uh, but that's whatever (laughs) they came today and they did. 20% 20% of my yard and have not come back. They that's, got what they that's, needed. That's crazy, right? Like I appreciate <laughs> it, but like time it up a little bit better with me. So my question to you is, was this a rude move on the old people's part? I think so. I think, uh, you know, barring any unforeseen details, like, uh, you know, a terminal illness with the other, the other fellow's yard that they've been, uh, been helping out. I, I absolutely. First of all, you know, you either view it as a service or you view it as this is a commodity. And so the service of, oh, I'm going to be nice and I'm going to rake the yard. You got to rake all of it. If it's a commodity and they're just taking your valuable pine straw here, you know, I think the the optimal move is they, they need to uh, uh, be paying you for the opportunity to, uh, to collect this pine straw. Hey, I don't have a problem with it. Please take as much as you want. <laughs> but now you've almost forced me into having to rake pine straw after this. Like you've almost yeah. scheduled time out of my day now because I got I look like a jack wagon with <laughs> 20% of my yard done. And it's like it's very it's you couldn't even get away with saying like, yeah, it's their yard. Like it's oh, it's right close enough on the yeah. border. It's not close at all, Ethan, but you can't blame Anyways. it on a, uh, a technology issue or a, an equipment issue either. Like if the, the mower dies in between uh, in the middle of mowing your grass. You know, my hope is that they come back, <laughs> yeah. obviously, but I don't think they are. They've been gone for like pretty much the entire podcast. So 
My guess is they're done. If they don't come back tomorrow, I'll be. I'm gonna say something the next time they come. You Actually, hate to no, see it. We should, we should start a, a Patreon where we just discuss uh, your your landscaping uh, dilemmas and fill the people I, in. That's what they came here for. So I got plenty. Well, hopefully you guys <laughs> enjoyed at least one portion of today's show, whether that's the lawn and home portion or the DFS portion. Regardless, uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the games. We only have a couple more weeks left before bowl season. So really live it up. Ignore your friends and family and uh, have a cold one for us this weekend. Thanks, guys.